guys, and welcome back to the podcast. Jonathan's Bookshelf presents Black Kings Read. On today's episode, I had a discussion with Stephanie Garrelis, who is the author of the breakthrough novel, Control. Stephanie is a multimedia journalist and a social media expert. She is a native of Brooklyn, New York, the daughter of Haitian immigrants. She holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in journalism from Temple University and is the secretary of the New York Association of Black Journalists. Black Kings Read normally does not cover fictional writers or fictional books, but Stephanie met the exception because she has a background, as, as I stated before, in journalism. So she is not a writer who just came out the woodwork at the last minute. She's been working on her craft. She worked, She's actually worked for the uh, Philadelphia Tribune, which is the oldest African-American newspaper in the country. Um, she's also interviewed people such as Al Sharpton, um, Victoria Rawell, Senator Pat Toomey, Mary Mary, Donna Brazil, and also Melissa Harris-Perry. And also for this book, it talks about a lot of the issues that are going on today. And one of the exceptions that I have when I'm interviewing somebody who are, we're discussing an author who wrote a fictional book is that their books have to be related to something that's going on in society. Also, if the fictional writer is somebody like a um, Air Jerome Dickey or Terry Millen, somebody of notoriety, then I will definitely cover them as well. But other than that, generally, Black Kings Read is nonfiction only. But you will hear in a discussion that I have with Stephanie how the book is connected to things that are going on as far as Black Lives Matter and Me Too. For those who are new to the podcast, welcome. And those who have listened to me thus far, I just want to thank you because, you know, I am trying to get better and better at this. I just finally learned how to edit my podcast. So now that I know how to do that, it's going to be much easier for me to make sure that you get the best quality episodes. Generally, I'm a perfectionist, so I wanted the episode to be as flawless as possible. And I think I achieved that to the best of my ability. So I am really learning how to use this software and it's really starting to grow on me. So just sit back and enjoy the discussion. I really hope that you get some good information. And also don't forget to check out her book, Control by Stephanie Garrelis. I will definitely include everything in the show notes. Other than that, take care and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to Jonathan's Bookshelf Presents Black Kings Read. I'm here with my special guest, author of the breakthrough novel Control, Stephanie Garrius. Hey Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you again for having me on the show. No problem. No problem at all. I have known Stephanie um, for about, I say, it was 2012. Um, six years. Yeah. Six I years. So. I, yeah, I remember where we met. We'll, we're going to discuss that later because how we met sort of ties into this book, believe it or not. So, um, Stephanie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm a... I'm a little, I'm not the most exciting person, but you know, I, I'm trying to make the moments matter. It, uh, I read something a couple of weeks ago. It was about, um, it was in response to like, you know how Serena Williams um, lost her temper at the, um, the U.S. Open. And they were saying that in my twenties, I was so meek. 
but now that I'm in my 30s, I'm full on Serena. I'm becoming a full on Serena because I've people used to say, like, oh, you don't speak? Are you a mute? Like, why would you ask me if I'm a mute if you don't think I can speak? And it was sort of like they see that I'm small, but you know, I'm a little bit of a stick of dynamite. And so mm-hmm. I'm trying to like kind of walk into my purpose and my power trying to use my voice a little bit more. I love to write and I feel like me writing is a way that I can make a difference that I want to see in the world. And I wanted to use my characters to show that, you know, you've been through something, you can keep on going. You're angry, you can show that anger. You've been pushed back and you can push back even more. You know, it's sort of like, like um, I know that the title is sort of like Control. It came from Janet Jackson's song because it was sort of like, how do I assert control after a certain point? And that's sort of been like, what it's been about me because I've been kind of quiet kind of always the one hey do you want to say something but always in the background so I'm now trying to like kind of put myself out there a little bit more uh my free time is about you know jigsaw puzzles and music and celebrity gossip other people's drama better than my own drama is what I say I mean that's my motto I mean I'm just you know that's just pretty much me tell us what inspired you to write um, control. I've always been writing, but so one, one day when I was 19, um, I was just sort of like bored. I wasn't doing anything house. So I went to the dollar store and I picked up and I got one of those little notebooks. So I started just writing a story. And when I was writing it, I was just writing it to amuse myself. It was sort of like there was Missy, there was Risa, there was Alan, and there was her little friends. But it was sort of like just me coming up with these random ideas. And when I got to the end, I was like, you know what? There could be something here. Let me just take my time. And it's been a 10-year process getting it right because um, I don't want to, I'm not writing cartoons. I want these to be like, you know, human characters that you can actually see in your mind. I did not want my main character to be like, oh, she's so perfect. I can't believe this happened to her because you know what? A lot of us are messed up. A lot of us are good and bad stuff are, are happening anyway. So how do you get past that point? And that's what I really want to put through and control. It was originally titled by any means necessary um, coming from Malcolm X because I really, really do love Malcolm X so much because I love how he didn't, he wasn't shy about who he was. He went from um, Detroit Red to Malcolm X. And I'm just, I'm just so impressed by that, by that journey. Um, just as much as I have like respect for Dr. Martin Luther King, but I feel is when it comes to Dr. King, he is so sanitized. And it's sort of like, if you say one thing bad about him, it's sort of like you're tearing down the man. I'm not tearing him down. It's just, he's human, just like all of us. Mm-hmm. And I feel like his story might have more resonance if you people th- thought of him more of the, just like a teddy bear. Because you can't be a teddy bear if you're demanding equal rights. And I made sure that Stephanie said that in the novel. You can't think of Dr. King as somebody just, you know, some kind of quote every third, third Monday in January. And that's it. And I just can't stand how he's just like, I have a dream. He was more than I just have a dream. He lived, he was a human man, he made his mistakes, but yet his legacy for human rights still lives on. And that's what that's where control comes from. Even though it's a pop song, a great pop song, I might add, from Janet Jackson. But it's mm-hmm. sort of like, because she's 17. When I was 17, people always told me how to live my life. And she's 17, Reese is 17. And I feel like that's a kind of like a pivotal age where, you, where you're trying to come into your own, but you really don't know anything because Risa is hard-headed. She thinks yes. she knows everything and she learns the hard way. And there comes a time where, you know what, something happens to you and it's kind of pushing you to, into adulthood. And it's all about taking control. And it's funny because my goddaughter is 16 years old and she's also hard headed. And when I was reading this book, I'm like, 
I was like, she is, this is so much like her. You try to tell her something, but she already, she already thinks she knows what's best for her. She already knows what's her future. She already, she thinks she knows everything. You can't tell her anything. And it, do you think that um, Risa, so I know the main character, her name is Teresa Teresa Marie Jenkins. I always want to say Teresa May. And I guess that's because that's the British prime minister, but her name is Teresa Marie Jenkins, but she's known as Risa. Um, And she has a, and she's the daughter of a teenage mother. And in the book, I was actually getting the sense that although I'm your mother, I act more like your sister. Because Mm. in the book, she talks about just like any girl who was raised by a, who was birthed by a teenage mother, they have a very close relationship with their grandparents, and their grandparents are deceased. Mm-hmm. But she always talked about Big Mama Ruth and Papa mm-hmm. Marty. Um, is that where you were going with? Yes, her? that's exactly where I was going because um, I based the um, Big Mama Ruthie on my grandmother, and she died. in um, my mother was not a teen mother, just to, um, just to make that clear. <laughs> but um, but I based that relationship on her. It was the, sort of the fact that you know what um, Missy was a teen mother. And for the first few years of Missy of Risa's life, it's Big Mama Ruthie who was raising Risa, and it's sort of like Missy's like the big sister. And it isn't until that um, Big Mama Ruthie dies that Missy has to sort of like step up. But at that point, it's sort of like I'm your big sister's quasi, you know, your mom. Because Risa comes to the restaurant and she's like going off at the mouth, like you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. it's sort of like, and Missy's just sort of like taking it. It's just sort of like. Missy is sort of like pushing to like being the mom at, at certain points. Then you have right. the contrast in Ben because he's like, you know what? You let her get away with everything, but he's like the complete opposite. It's sort of like, I don't know her. This is your kid. You know, I'm just here. I'm giving you a check. What more do you want from me? And so, you know, uh, for the audience, Ben is Reese's father. And Ben is a very interesting person. Um, the way this book, I, from what I read, as far as the, um, on the back cover, this is more, she starts out as more as an activist. Mm -hmm. So she's into, she's, she's a Black Lives Matter activist. And, but her life goes from Black Lives Matter to Me Too (laughs) so quickly. It's It's funny how you actually went from Black Lives Matter to Me Too and the intersectionalities between the two. That was really, that was so skillful how you did that. And, and so in, in reading about Bree's character when she was an activist, I felt like, I'm sorry, I kept on saying Bree. The reason why I keep on calling her Bree because I think of Bree Newsom, who was a young lady, I believe, in South Carolina. Who, yeah, she just got I, married over the weekend. She did? Oh, yeah. I need to congratulate her on Twitter. She was beautiful. She's the young lady, for those who don't know, she's the young lady who um, climbed up a pole and took down the Confederate flag, I believe, in South Carolina, and then yes. she went to jail for that. Um, and Reese's character does something similar to that. Um, so, But you have to read the book to find out what she did. But she does something similar to that, and then she becomes this, she becomes this icon for the Black Lives Matter movement in Philadelphia. But She's also very gifted. She's a singer. And, but she's not a, she's not a, in the words of Tamar Braxton, she's not a do-wop-wop chick. She can actually sing. And she meets a woman that's 
contrast to a cross between Whitney Houston and Diana Ross. The voice of Di- the voice of Whitney Houston, but the attitude of Diana Ross. But yeah, um, that's perfect. That's a perfect explanation. <laughs> Thank you. And that person is Dina Carter, because that's what I I got. Like, you know, I am the voice, but I'm also snotty because I'm not a Diana Ross fan by any means. I don't. I'm not. Sorry. You know the thing is, you know what I love about Diana is that she owns it. Like, I mm-hmm. am a diva. And this is just who I am. It's Miss Ross to you. And right. I kind of like it. I kind of love it. I, I know mm-hmm. that it rubs people the wrong way, but I kind of like it. It only rubs me the wrong way because she's not, she's never won a Grammy. She deserved that Oscar in Lady Sings the Blues. Don't get me wrong. She deserved that Oscar. She should have got that Oscar. I mean, she didn't get it, but she should have gotten it. But um, she's not like, Aretha had every, Aretha could act like that because she was the queen. Because mm-hmm. she was the queen. So if she decided to act all snooty and stuck up and that's fine. Patty LaBelle, I mean, Patty LaBelle, <laughs> Patty LaBelle, you know, she can do that. But Diana, you, you can't even sing. I mean, you can put on a good show, but yeah. oh, anyway, sorry, back to the book. Um, why did you, now you wrote, the, you've been writing this book for 10 years, but obviously you didn't write this, uh, Black Lives Matter was back in 2012. Yeah. So how did you incorporate what you wrote 10 years ago into the present? I want to be very honest about something Um, because you said about the intersection of Black Lives Matter and Me Too. Um, And I feel like uh, in those 10 years, I had a lot to unpack, a lot to unpack because it used to be that, you know what, I'm all for civil rights, but I'll let Al Sharpton do it. But then, you know, Trayvon Martin died. And I think me and you were at the rally. That's how we met, yes. That's how Mm -hmm. we met at the the rally for Trayvon Martin. And I was at the... uh, the Gina Six rally at Temple University. And it was sort of like, there comes a point where you just can't be like a spectator. You have to actually be on the ground and you're marching. And um, in terms of Risa, and I'm really ashamed to say this, but like I said, I had a lot to unpack. Um, in the beginning, you know, Calvin, the Calvin Bennett character, it was a love story. And it was, and something was just not setting right in my spirit. It was sort of like, this man is 27 years old, she's 17. Why in your mind do you think that it is a love story? This is when the whole R. Kelly thing was going on. And it was sort of like, you know what? Because I know that I come, from a, come from, from a place of abuse. And it was sort of like, I used to be like, you know what? But, but he didn't like tie them down or anything. So what do you mean he abused them? Like, I, I don't get it. But I had to like unpack because like, like I said um, before, in a lot of black homes, it's very conservative. And it's always like, you know what? Well, what did you do to make that man do what he did? Why did you wear that short skirt? And I had to like unpack that. I had to like say, Stephanie, you know what? If a man has that much control and if he is manipulating you, he sees you as a prey for a reason. And I had to like get to that point. Like, you know what? This is not a love story. This man is manipulating her. He sees the perfect victim, even when the world outside does not. So that's how it all kind of meshed together. It was sort of like, you know what? In the past five years, so many of us have had to like unpack and just relearn things like, you know what, what we used to thought was normal, it is not normal. We got to deconstruct that. And that's how this version of control came about. It was sort of like, you know what, Stephanie, step back and see that, you know, you can perpetuate this harmful behavior onto your readers. It may be just one person who reads it, maybe an impressionable young girl, but she's got to know that it's not her fault. And if you want to be a difference, speak up. And it's funny because when I read this book, the first thing that crossed my mind, and I know that 
although Risa is black, the first thing that hit my mind was Dr. Christine Blase Ford with the Kavanaugh hearings. Like, no matter how credible she was, they still try to point it on her like, mm-hmm. oh, she must have did something to deserve this. Yeah. She, he had to, and, and I'm glad that you, you wrote the story in that way because she is, um, Teresa is very independent. She's very headstrong. She's very stubborn. But the fact, the fact that Calvin was able to get through her, to break her down to the point where she started to question her own self, it was like, mm-hmm. wait, wait, who, where's, the re- where's the reason that I read about who, who, would, who would fight someone? She almost mm-hmm. fought her ex-boyfriend. She should have she she fought Jay. But she almost fought her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. But this girl, she's like, oh, he's... And, and, they, and no matter how many times somebody told her, look, we got this. You're good. You're fine. She was still like, but no, no, I'm still scared. Even when she went to Julian's, sorry, Julius's house, and he was like, no, you're safe. She still felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. Calvin really did do something to her mind. And, but reading, reading their relationship, to me, it, it, didn't, it, it, it didn't sound like he did much to get through to her, but whatever he did worked. I think, um, what I wanted to show, I wanted to show the opening, like Calvin saw that, um, Farisa, she has all these gifts and she has all these talents, but she does not have her father's love. She doesn't feel that she has her father's love. And I wanted to show it like in subtle ways. I did not want to make Ben a caricature. I did not want him to come off like as Donald Trump. Oh, you bastard, you this. Like I wanted it to be subtle. And I think being Mm -hmm. subtle is more effective. Like you see how it kind of like chips away at you that you could be, everybody loves you. And then there's this man that you cannot get his love. And that's who Ben is, because Ben prioritizes Taylor and Benji, his other two children, his mm-hmm. white kids. And he's always treating Reese a little bit differently. Like when Taylor, something happens to Taylor in one of the chapters, and yes. it's sort of like, oh, I need you to come over, Reese, and make her feel better. And it's sort of like, I really don't give a damn what's happening to you. She was signed to the label. He didn't come. She had the Black Lives Matter issue. He didn't come. And then it's sort of like chips away. And then you, and then you see Calvin. He sees an opening. There's always an opening. And at the end of the book, Reese addresses that as well. She says, like, you know what? I'm all these things. So how could it happen to me? And I want to show that you could be, you, anybody can be a victim. That's what I, even somebody who's messy, confident, and headstrong, there's a potential for you to be a victim. That's what I really want to use her as an avatar. Because I didn't want her to be, like, you know, perfect. I didn't want to use Candy because, you know, Candy was the sweet one. Mm-hmm. and Stephanie well Stephanie Stephanie and then I just wanted to show that you know what it could be somebody who's like headstrong and it still can happen to her and at one point I loved Shantae and then in, in a quick second I hated her well you know what I loved her because I, I saw myself in her I saw myself as that friend <laughs> who was the instigator because that scene at the restaurant I was dying <laughs> I was dying. She was sitting there like, ah, uh, yeah. She's I'm- actually one of my favorite characters, and I hated doing that to her, but, you know, I had to do some drama. But You did. You really did, because, and you took us by surprise. You really did. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, really? That was okay. And then, um, what else about, and then I didn't like her, but then when she explained herself, I'm like, I would still be friends with her. If I was Risa, I would, I would literally, I would forgive her and move on because I get it. I get it. The fact that she, she opened up and she said, look, this is what I was going through. This is how I felt. You know, I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt you. I, I was like, okay, I, I get it. 
I get it. But at the moment when it happened, I would have did a Jasmine Sullivan. I busted, well, he doesn't have a car, but that's what I would have did. And that's what I didn't get. Like, she got, she got over Jay very quickly. Mm-hmm. And she, she had her boundaries with him. But for Calvin, it, and she grew a relationship with Jay, where Calvin, she really didn't go that much relationship with him. What I thought in my head was, I really felt like, and, and one thing I didn't like about the book is I had to constantly remind myself this is a 17 year old girl because mm-hmm. she did not speak as a 17 year old girl. And I, and I said this to you on Messenger, um, even though teenagers do curse, she mm-hmm. actually curses with her mother and her mother doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, wait a minute, this, this is a black mother with a black girl and she's just cursing right, and she's just using curse words. I mean, she. I mean, read, uh, listeners, so you know, it's not laced with profanity. So every word is not a da 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 da. She just yeah. happens to say a word here and there. But it's like I grew up in a household where, I, I, look, I am. I'm in my extreme. I still can't say that in my family. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm in my extreme late twenties, and I can't even curse around my mother. Like if I say a curse word in her mm-hmm. household, like. She's gonna fight me. My mother's I'm about six feet and my mother's five foot even, but she would st- she would still tell me to go outside and get a switch and try to beat me with it. But we talked about it earlier how um her relationship with her mother wasn't really mother and daughter, it was more like sisters, and then later on she had to be the mother, but her mother she had to step up to be a mom. Yes, but she really and she really did. Her mother really does step up and I, I love how her mother how her mother stepped up. And I love the fact that her mother wasn't perfect. Yeah. She made some she made some mistakes along the way. And that's real life. People go through that. Yeah. And I, that's one thing I really love. And just sorry to give a little big a little bit of background. Um, I met Stephanie mm-hmm. at a black at a Black Lives Matter rally. It was actually Trayvon Martin. It was um, yeah. We actually met through your mentor, Karen Quinones Miller, the infamous yes. author. And um, we hit it off right then and there. That's reading this book took me back to my activism days. I no longer do that because as you can see with Black Lives Matter in this book, activism is a full-time job. Full-time thing. And the people that you're fighting with the most are not the people on the other side. It's the people with People on the same side. Same side. And then we did the protest when George Zimmerman was found now guilty. And that happened at the last minute. But after that, I said, I'm done. I said, the next person that gets killed at the hands of white supremacy or a cop, I said, I'm done. I can't do it. It really drains you. It's a lot of work. And it does not. I support those who do it. Like Black Lives Matter, I think it's a great concept. I just, I I can't be a part of it. I'd rather just give the money to, and that's what, Teresa ends up doing just hey let me finance your which actually knows so funny you are more effective for anybody who is very concerned about the things that are going on in society as far as Black Lives Matter Me Too you're more effective when you give money than just actually be on the front lines uh, because when mm-hmm. you fund those movements they are able to recruit more people they're able to do more resources they are yeah. more effective that way but go ahead no, I mean, everything. Look what happened to Erica Gardner. She assumed activism 24-7. Now she's in her grave at 27 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. that's 
You're absolutely right. And ultimately, I didn't want to focus on the activism part. Right, you did. You you didn't focus on the activism because the way Risa is like Brie Newsom meets Rihanna, but in this case, uh, Risa can sing. That's the difference. Risa actually has a voice. She can sing. She can stand on the stage and sing and tear down the house. Unlike Rihanna, who has to take off her clothes. Risa doesn't have to do any of that. So uh, as far as the character, Ben, how did you come up with that character? Um, he, uh, initially, he was sort of like a Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan type of character. Sort of like, you know what, I'm going to smile in your face, even though I'm stabbing you in the back something very smug and very insincere about him. Mm. And what I want to do is sort of like, it's like I really don't believe what I'm saying, but I'm just saying it because I want your vote. And I, and I try to show that, you know, it was originally Spencer who was supposed to be the ideal candidate, but because he's gay, they forced him out. And then you have the younger brother kind of like stepping up. So mm. like, you know what, I guess I'll, I guess it'll be me. Mm-hmm. But you know, he has like a, a black baby. Because I want to, because I know that is very cliche to talk about, you know what, oh, I'm poor, and I had to hustle, and now I got my record deal. It was so like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to do like, what happens to the trap baby? What happens when the kid who your mom, you know, because you know, Missy hustled, finesse Ben out of millions, because she got right. that check for eight years. What happens to that kid after 18 years? That's Risa to me. It's sort of like, she's not super rich, and she's not poor. She lives in the suburbs, and she just got on. And that um, does become like a plot point. I felt like Ben was sort of like Strong Thurmond. That's what I was getting. If really? it, wow. That's the person that crossed my mind when you when you explain who he was and he's a he's a he's a conservative, not and I would say I'm not gonna say Republican because Strong Thurmond was a Democrat. Um, but that was during, that was when the Democrats were the now today Republicans. But that's what I thought about because um, his, uh, Sean Thurman's daughter, the black one, wrote a book. She did write a book, but she didn't write it. I, if I'm not mistaken, she really didn't talk about her father that much in the book. Um, but she did write a book about her life. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the first thing that I thought about. And she said, I think in an interview, she did say that she had a good relationship with her father, even though he was a, and, and Ben is not a racist per se. He is just a, he's just a conservative. He's your typical um, Republican. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's a, if he's a Congressman or a Senator, but a senator. I, he's said, okay. Yeah. He's just a typical Senator. So he's like your, um, Y'all say Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan. Like, I'm not a racist, but I don't really care about Black issues. And he does the stereotypical, um, he does it, actually, I don't think he does it. Alan does it, the Black-on-Black violence. And I live in Chicago, so when I read that part, I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. But I love how Brie got him all together. And then they had, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. So... Um, that, his character, (laughs) and I loved how, even though Ben is not a racist, he definitely grew up in a racist household. Him and Spencer, they definitely did. Yes. I I loved how you did that. And this book, I'll tell you, this book is 
phenomenal. And I'm telling y'all, y'all got to get this book. Um, oh, thank you so much. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm speaking the truth because it really touches on what's going on in society today with Black Lives Matter and Me Too. Mm-hmm. And like I said, and, and the intersectionalities between the two. And the last podcast that I did was Clay Kane's Live Through This. And Clay Kane, for those who don't know, for those who haven't heard, I suggest if you, if, for those who have not heard the um, episode three of my book discussion with my friend Mac on Clay Kane's Live Through, Through This, I suggest that you check out that episode. But um, he is a biracial man who's, he's, he's a journalist. He's right now, he's, he has a show on XM Radio, but he identifies as black. And my my guest who's on the discussion with me, he's also biracial, but he identifies as black. Um, Risa is biracial. And I believe that she identifies as black. She actually said in one part of the book um, that they don't look at you and see the, they, they know that you're biracial, but they don't look at you and see the white side of, of you and say, oh, you get a pass. No, they just see straight black. And I love how you pointed that out too. Um, what made you, how can I ask this? What Make made, her biracial? Yeah, what, what made you want to make, yeah. I thought I asked that before. Oh, Mariah but, Carey. Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey is like my favorite artist. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I know it's not a deep answer, but Mariah is my favorite um Art, female artist of all time and so like you know I'll make her biracial too I, I know that's not a deep answer I wish I had a deep answer for you I really don't that's just really that's just really it it doesn't have to be a deep answer I just can't <laughs> Mariah that's hey I, I I can go with that I can go with that but and I also um, want to examine something else because um mm-hmm. in the music industry if you are they, they push light-skinned girls and people who can pass as white. And I wanted to, like, really examine that. I examined a little bit in the first book, but in the second book, it's sort of like, you know what, Marisol can blow. Why did Marisol blow up? Why is it that Risa, you know, because she has light-skinned, green eyes, all of a sudden, you know, she's the next big thing. Why, is it, why isn't it Marisol who's the next Zena Carter? Why is it automatically, you know, Risa? I want to, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, plant the seeds of that. You know what, she's getting on, and she's getting on quick. She, yes, she has talent, but you know what? She also has like light skin and she has green eyes. I want to examine that the colorism in our community. Wow. And I, I thought about how she, because like I said, y'all, she's only 17 years old and she is basically um, speed, she's speed track right in the stardom. And I thought to myself, why would her mother want her to, because in the beginning, she's like, oh, my God, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to go out there and sing. And I'm thinking to myself, does she really know the industry like that? And then you unpack the, the dangers of the industry. It was like you, you, you really did not make it seem like everything would be. She knew it would be a challenge, but she had no idea it would be this bad. Like you can have talent. And then it's sort of like, oh, my God, because of stand culture nowadays, if it's not number one, it's a flop. You know, mm-hmm. if, if um, they're not talking about you on Twitter, you know, you're not really relevant anymore. It's sort of like that kind of messes with your head. And that's what I wanted to show that, you know, she has talent, but it's inside of a 17-year-old girl. She does not have the mental capacity to understand that, you know what, my talent will get me through. To know that, you know what, to be secure and rooted in it, she's just sort of like, but I got signed. Like, 
I'm it. Why isn't my song number one? Like, why now? Why is it happening right now? Like, I needed her to, like, kind of, like, mentally kind of, like, break her down to show that, you know what, maybe she's not all that prepared for it. Hmm. And she really, she, she really wasn't. Not all. She thought she was. She really thought she was, but she just was not. I... My heart really went out to her, especially when it came to her father, because yeah. she really struggled with that. I mean, at some point you felt like she was going to say, forget it. I want nothing to do with you. I'm done with you, whatever. But then she had to realize, okay, this guy is my father. I have to deal with him. Because at one point she's and asked. that came a little bit for me and my dad. Um, we didn't have like a bad, it wasn't anything bad between us, but it was sort of like, we were friends. Like, it was sort of like, hey, hey, how are you? And it was sort of like, I had to accept when I was like 19 that it's never going to be like daddy, daughter. I just had to accept it. Like, I, like he has other kids and it was sort of like, you know what? You're six in line and there are like five more after you. And that's, and that's real. And it was sort of like, you know what? I just got to accept that I can't be mad at you. Just, I just, I wish it was no like visceral anger. It was just sort of like, you know what? I just got to accept it. It is what it is. I only have one father. Just, you know, and at the end of the day, Risa still wants her father's love. Like, she wants it. Like, she can have the world at her hands. But she, and she has, she has Uncle Spencer who loves her. She has Uncle Pookie who loves her. She has RJ, you know. She has Alan, because she even tells Alan as her father. Yeah. But yet, you know, she keeps coming back to Ben. It's sort of like, and Calvin exploited that. For y'all who haven't read the book, you have to read the book to understand to understand what he did to exploit her. It's really deep. She felt like, look, I would respect you more if you had told me up front what you had going on. But the fact that you just really thought I was nothing, it was like, wow. Wow. She just he just really it was like, oh yeah, 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 whatever. I was like, this because that's not the guy that he's presented. And I want you to pay attention to one thing, that he always calls her Teresa. Because he's yep. like, oh, I don't see you as a little girl. I see mm-hmm. you as a grown woman. And, yes. you know, in recent mind, I am a grown woman, you know? Right. <laughs> but pay attention to that, because there comes a point where he just drops the cold facade completely. Even though he does what he does to her at a certain point. But there comes a point where he's just like, you know what? You are really just a kid, and I'm just going to refer to you as a kid. Okay. There is somebody else that cares about Risa, and he doesn't want to initially, but he cares about her, and he's fighting it. But the Justin character, who I made. Justin, you really. <laughs> I, I love what you did with his character. Because I'm like, why would you make him in a relationship with the, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That, that definitely makes sense. Because I meant to ask this on my last episode. Can somebody be woke and be in a relationship with somebody outside of their race? Mm-hmm. Being black woke. And, and that really answers that question. But I, I, I did like Justin's character. I, I really did. I felt like he is, he is very smart. He's very savvy. Teresa's mother, mother's side of the family, Missy's side of the family is typical. And every black fan is like, oh, I, you can identify with somebody that in your family. But the father's side is not that typical. It's like, 
I don't have an uncle that has a million dollar mm-hmm. like I don't have that. I don't, you know, big mansions all this, but I don't have that. But Uncle Pookie, you you start to feel sorry for Uncle Pookie, but then again you don't. And I, I love T how he he's a father to his son. But then you wonder is some of his is some of his bad traits rubbing off on his son and is his son headed down the same path. Although I like to think that he's not, you know. Genetics, you know. <laughs> um, Anything, I did have a line where RJ says that, you know, uh, don't think that I'm soft. Because I feel like RJ's, RJ's pretty chill. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Reese is, is like a sister. I mean, they're cousins, but that's like his sister. Like, don't come against my blood because mm-hmm. you're going to bring out another side of me. And they, he did. <laughs> he, he, did. <laughs> he did. He did. And I, I was sort ecstatic, but then again, I wasn't because I do believe in karma, but I don't believe in taking things into your own hands. But because that's that scene where Calvin confronts um, Risa for the last time, I just was like, oh God. You did say to me that there's actually a sequel that's going to come out for Control. Um, If you want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I hope to have it released next year, uh, maybe during the summer. Um, I, I have like half of it done right now. I have like an outline. And um, I know exactly where I want to go. And it's sort of like this book is about um, all of this stuff happened. She's a hothead. She's a, she's an airy. She runs on emotion. And it's sort of like, mm. you know, do you contain that emotion or do you just let it go? Because like um, in the last chapter for Control, she just kind of, you know, she lets it all out there. And it's sort of like, you know, how do you pick up your life after that point? And how do you heal? after that point you know because things get a little bit messy it's sort of like um i don't know if you picked up on it but like she has like three potential boyfriends going forward there's justin there's chase and there's ice i mean and but sometimes what you're looking for isn't what's in front of you it Mm -hmm. just may be in the shape of somebody else and sometimes you can experience you know love with not what you were expecting and have that be like a healing process. It's all, all, cause the thing with Reese is all about her resistance, her resistance. And I want to show that, you know, black women are not your muse, especially not a 17 year old girl. Like, cause the reason why she does what she does after a certain point is like, she knows that she can't follow in her mother's footsteps. That's why I picked this book because I'm like, wow, you read this and it's like, you see so many similarities of what was, uh, what's going on today. And you can pick something, yeah. You can pick things and say, "Oh, wow, okay, I can relate to what this is, what this is going on, and what that is going on." It's like, wow. So it's more, and it's funny because the book is called Control, and you said it's an homage to Janet. And the first thing that you're met with is, um, sorry, Janet Jackson. And the first thing that you're met with is the cat, Penny. Janet and Penny. Yes, and. You have to be of a certain age to understand where you got where you got that from. Like if you're if you're a young kid, you, like sixteen years old, you're not going to like Janet and Penny. You're not going to get it. Yeah, but old old. And one thing I didn't like about the book that made me really upset 
full disclosure, everyone, Missy, who is a mother, is the same age as me. And I was like, I can't be that old. <laughs> and I realized. Well, <laughs> well, the thing is that when this book, when I really started writing this book, me and Risa were the same age. I'm old, okay? Like, sh- she gets to stay young. I'm old as, I'm getting old as hell now. So it's sort of like, if you feel old, I feel older, okay? Because we were originally the same age. Mm-hmm. And because she was supposed to be born in 1984. And as the years went on, it was sort of like, uh-oh, okay, she can't be born in 1984 anymore. She has to be, you know. And then I pushed it to 2000. Like, okay, the 2000 babies are growing up now. It was sort of like, oh, damn, I'm old. Like, because I'm old enough to, like, have, a t- if I had one out of, right out of high school, I'm old enough to be a mom, like her mom. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, sh- I'm old. <laughs> but, you know, I had to, like, push her age back to 2000 to make the story work. And so, you know, Bree's born in 2000. And at one point, we meet um, Valisa, who was an up-and-coming diva that was going to be like um, Dina Carter. And she covers one of Valisa's songs. And Valisa was like, like I said, out in 2000. She had a hot song in 2000. But I'm like, you're covering songs in 2000? I'm like, I'm used to hearing songs that are covered that are being covered like in the songs that were mm-hmm. done like in the, the 90s. Yeah. And I'm like, it makes you feel old. It makes it you feel does. old. It does. It really doesn't like 90. I'm thinking about myself, 2099, 99, 2000 was like Destiny's Child, TLC, Scrubs, uh, No Scrubs. I'm like, That's... and they're like about to be 20 years old now. I know. I know. You really, I was like, and, and, and you know what? I know people when I go on Facebook, I know people I went to high school with um, that were, they graduated a few, a couple years before me, they got grandkids. I'm like, I can't be that old. And Missy, I was like, I'm the same age as this woman. And I don't see myself in her age bracket, but I'm in her age bracket. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just hope that people like um, read this book um, and read it with an open mind. Like, I know that she's a 17-year-old girl and people be like, oh, she's a 17-year-old girl. That's really not for me. But there, it does address like other issues. Um, you could have like a teenage daughter. You can have like an older gentleman in your life. You just, you know, just to like address it, like talk about it. And that people aren't black and white. Um, I did not want to write a cartoon. I didn't want to write like, you know, well, this person is good. This person is bad. I want to like do like a mixture of people. Like, you know, we have the good guys, but they have their edges, and we have the the not so not so good guys, and they have their moments. Except if you're Calvin, because you know mm-hmm. that. Oh, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, and there's something to said to be said about anger, that you can have your anger and is justified. Because I know that um, I love First Lady Michelle Obama, the best First Lady ever, but. Um, I'm getting so tired of hearing when they go low, we go high. It's very easy for certain people to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were saying about the abortion, it's easy for people of a certain economic status to um, have means to an abortion. But when you're on the lower scale in society and you have people like literally working day and night to take strip you of your rights, and then you're talking about civility, you're talking about go high. No, when they go when they go low, bury them. Or like and Eric there is something, when when they go low, you kick them. Yes, 
And there is something to be said about anger. Like, you know, Serena Williams was justified in her anger, but yet she got all this backlash. But then you have um, Judge Kavanaugh making a complete fool of himself at the Supreme Court hearing. Oh, you know what? Oh, it's not a big deal. He was just expressing, they're like, mm -hmm. there are way too many double standards going on. And I want to show, and that black boy last week, where the woman accused him of sexual assault. And he was like, no, I don't forgive her. And I was so glad that he said that. Because, Me you know, too. we're always expected to forgive and turn the other cheek. Not anymore. Me too. I was like, yes, because... I'm still, even though this happened years ago, and may they rest in peace, the, the nine that died in oh. um, Charleston. But when they said, we forgive you, I was so... Literally the next day, the very next day. I thought it was like the, the next few hours, because I remember, I thought it was at night. Because I remember it happened so quickly. I was like, we, we And I'm like, where is your anger? Where is your anger? Like, they think that we're animals for just being, expressing simple human emotions, but mm -hmm. yet you'll give everybody else these breaks, just... And what really got me upset is that when Emmett Till was killed, it took um, Mamie Till decades to forgive his killers. Decades. I'm like, you forgive and forget in, in less than probably five hours. But somebody who lost their son, it took them decades to forgive him. Exactly. And it's like, we are not allowed, black people, we're not allowed to express our anger. We're always talking, we got to forgive, we got to forgive. Yes, you must forgive, but... First of all, you didn't even catch the God to know who you're exactly forgiving for one. Yes. That's really got me. I'm like, can we at least say who we're forgiving first before we start forgiving? Oh, we forget. I'm like, you know what? This is why. No. Allow and, me to process what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Because exactly. you give everybody else that same benefit. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're absolutely right. And so, you know, everyone, um, all of her contact information and where to purchase her book are going to be in the show notes. So, so when you go to show notes, you'll definitely see the link to purchase her book and also, like I said, how to get a hold of her. Um, yes. Did you want to also uh, tell them how they can get a hold of you? Um, um, I can be reached through my website, www.stephaniegarrelis.com. I'm on Twitter at QSTEP, Q-S-T-E-P-H. Um, I talk a lot of politics, entertainment, soap operas, um, things like that. Uh, I'm on Facebook. My name's Stephanie Garrelis. I'm on Instagram, Q underscore S-T-E-P-H. Queen Stephanie, and the book can be purchased on Amazon.com. I hope that a lot of people read it, read it with an open mind. Um, and I'm glad that you were honest about your assessments, that you thought it started slow and it picked up. I really want that honest feedback. And like I told you, the only reason why it starts off that way is because somebody else was like, you know what? I want to know who Risa is at first before we get into all that. So I do appreciate honest feedback. Um, I would love if everybody just loved the book. I know that's not going to be a possibility, but I do accept, you know, constructive feedback so that I can make the sequel even more better. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the discussion. Um, stay tuned as I close out the episode. But once again, Stephanie, I want to thank you so much for being my guest. My first author interview that I have done, like I've, I've done book discussions, but now you're my first author interview. And I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my discussion with author Stephanie Garrelis on her brand new novel, Control. For the next podcast, I did have an author lined up, but I haven't heard back from him, so I'm not for sure how I'm going to go about the next one, but trust and believe there will be another 
episode of Black Kings Read coming out next week, most likely by Monday. Other than that, take care, everyone. God bless. And remember to build your library.